Welcome back to Kettlebells and Cocktails. I'm your host, John, back with my very frustrated bestie, Nikki. Nikki, how are you? Other than wanting to strangle my router <laughs> and my extender and my entire Wi-Fi provider, doing great. Well, you live on a farm with chickens. You got to expect some shoddy Wi-Fi occasionally. Oh, it's my, just my God. Opinion. You say that, but really I'm in, I'm like basically in Providence and also really we pay for like the world's fastest Wi-Fi and yet, I don't know, I like, maybe it's a sign that I shouldn't have this home office and I should just be working from the couch. All right, you say Providence, like it's New York City. I've been to Providence. You have an airport that has four, four gates. That's it. Yeah, that's the beauty of Providence. The rest of it is a city. Everyone, mm -hmm. if if and when flying into the East Coast, every single person should fly into Providence. It is the oh best airport. It is tiny. It gives you zero problems. It's like it's like the Madison Airport. Well, let's talk about the Providence Airport for a second. Before we do that, we're going to introduce our guest, Annika Greers, with us. Annika, how are you? I'm so good. Thanks for having me on. Have Have you ever been to Providence, Rhode Island? Ever? I have. I have not, but I am from my own tiny little island. That also yeah, you get it. I do, and I think I could probably take you like ten to two thousand steps slower than that. Four gates is four more than what we have. We have uh, a room. <laughs> okay, so I, still I, a plane. They've got more than four. They got more we, than yeah, four. They, I mean, okay. We yeah. literally. I am not exaggerating when I say we have a room. Like there right. is a single plane. <laughs> right. That, that's how my husband's hometown is in like northern, northern, northern Maine, like border of Canada. That makes sense. One room and there's there's one belt and there's yep. one plane that goes back and forth between Jersey and Roscoe. Yeah. The, the problem is, is that that's like our whole island. The whole province is just that one airport. And you can either take a ferry to go across to New Brunswick or you can take the plane to either Toronto or Montreal. And then 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 those are much bigger airports. But yeah, it's very the, the pickings are slim. <laughs> Now, I'm pretty sure that the last time that we had you on the show, you were there. You were still living yes. there and you were like maybe figuring out your next steps. And I feel like I feel like so much has changed for you since the last time we've had you. Can we have just as like a general life update? Like, where are you yeah. living? What are you doing? How are you training? All of that good stuff. Yeah, I, I'm trying to remember. Was it post quarters of 2022? Did we talk about the whole quarterfinal nonsense or was it even before that the last time you were on the show for real i think it was before that because i okay. think we had chatted about all the craziness with your scores and stuff as a one-off right okay yeah. yeah i think the last time we had you on for just like life chats yeah it was before like, uh-huh oh wow it has been a while wow yeah. so much happened since then yeah i mean so i'm in miami florida now i've been here i got here okay January 1st, literally, I said I wanted to be here like the start of when I, I decided I was going to move over a year ago in May of 2022 after I just like, visited and then I'd like connected with Noah, like different comps and then had just kept in touch with the people there. And there was just something about the gym here and just the environment that I like couldn't really get out of my head. I was like, wow, I just really I'm very happy there. And that was always hmm. such a huge thing for me in training is I my happiness like affects so much and I compete and train the best when I'm the happiest. And I was just, I remember being so happy when I visited. And so that kind of stuck with me. And for a while I played with it. I still was with my coach back home. And that was always a big thing too, right? Was that I didn't want to go to a training camp. That environment didn't work super well for me. 
for a long-term thing for periods totally but to live there I don't think it would work great just with like my honestly my anxiety and like how much pressure I put on myself like living in that every day it would be hard for me to separate that and that's just something I know about myself now and I think training camps are super cool but for full-time for me probably wasn't going to be the best choice so I was trying to navigate that of Am I going to stay with Brett, my old coach? I mean, he's been with me since I was 14. I don't know any, anybody else. I don't know any different. He's been so amazing to me. But I know I need to go elsewhere. I can't stay on this little island, right. like training alone. Anyways, and I finally, I think it was after Rogue. And Noah was such a, I had a terrible time at Rogue. <laughs> and I just like mentally really did a, a bad job at Rogue, to be honest. I rode like a super hard roller coaster, crashed really hard and just did not perform super well. And he, I was just so impressed. This was the first time I'd gotten to witness him at a competition, like just other than watching him like compete and just how he approached things and how level he was and how optimistic and positive, like truly optimistic and positive, not just pretending. That was so impressive to me that I think that kind of solidified it. And we like had some bonding moments and it was really great. And that was one of the biggest positives from Rogue. And I remember being like, oh, this kind of solidifies it. Like, I want to figure out a way that I can go train with him and we can align our stuff just because I want to be around that energy because I was the polar opposite. I was like reactive and negative and like pessimistic and everything was a huge deal. And I would go up and then straight down. And it was just the polar opposite of how I competed. So anyways, yeah, then I got really hurt after Rogue and I had to take a lot of time off. My back got really injured, I think at Rogue, but it didn't really start bothering me until after. Still to this day, I have no idea what was wrong with it. I got an MRI, nothing showed really other than something that's probably just genetic anyways. It didn't really explain anything. But I was out until basically oh, two weeks before the Open. So a long time, but it gave me more time to plan and think about things and apply for my citizenship and do all those kind of details. And in that time, I think it also allowed me to realize what was going to be best for me as an athlete. And that was going to be to find a coach that had done this before and knew the ins and outs of competing at a high level and getting to the CrossFit Games. And that was a really tough decision because Brett was like my biggest support system and like my brother. It was really hard. So made that decision, met with Max while I was driving. My, so my boyfriend, Alex, is he's a content creator in the CrossFit space. Very, very good. Does Noah's content full-time. Was just a coincidence that we met because we had both decided to move before we had met. So great coincidence. Anyways, I drove up with him while he moved his stuff. And on that drive, I like met with Max. We chatted for a while, figured out if we wanted to work with each other, made sure we were super thorough because I'm super loyal and I want to have a coach that I'm going to be with for a long time and grow with and, and invest in. So we took our time in making sure that that partnership was going to work. And it, it, it really, really has. So joined Max and TTT, moved to Miami, started training with Noah, trained together all year, got healthy. Woo-hoo. Yeah, so just in the nick of time, like right before the Open was the first time I was able to do like everything. So yeah, and then this season unfolded and that's well, it's kind of the the sparks notes, even though it was like what, like five minutes of me talking sparks notes of my <laughs> my updates since twenty twenty two. 
How how do you decide when there are there are so many training camps, there are so many high level athletes, everyone is for the most part really wonderful and welcoming and open and like how do you pick like where to go and who to align yourself with? It seems like a really tough decision because there are so many wonderful options. Yeah, I mean, and that was like one of the scariest things when I realized that that was what I was going to have to do. I was like, yeah. oh my God, I don't know anybody. But I think it made sense from the outside looking in at first because that's Noah's coach. And if I want to go train with Noah and be around that energy and have that influence, it would just make sense to also have his coach. And so that was the initial, well, let's start there because that makes the most sense from the outside looking in. And what's funny is initially it wasn't like I met Max and I was just like instantly with Brett. He was such a huge comfort in my life. And it wasn't like that at first. It wasn't like I met him. I was just like instantly connected and comforted. And no, he made me so not, I, this is going to sound bad, not uncomfortable, but he challenged me. It he's was a very, a, he's a very logical dude. Yes. Oh, incredibly. Yeah. But yeah, he, it was also like, I had never been challenged like that before, like emotionally, yeah. mentally. I was also like, still injured and not mentally in the best place so it was like it was so challenging at first that it, I almost not took it as a challenge but I I followed through because it was I could tell it was going to be good for me yeah like it was initially it wasn't just like, like he didn't need me like he and no he has a very successful business he has many successful athletes he didn't truthfully need me he didn't need to coach me and so that was like such a huge very different than my old coach, right? Where I was his only athlete. So that was right. huge for me where I realized I was like, oh, I have to earn this guy's like time and knowledge. And the more I started like listening to podcasts he had done, like reading stuff he had written, I was like, wow, he could be really good for me because he is all of the things that I am not naturally. I'm right. not it naturally logical and analytical. I'm more emotional and reactive. And I was like, this could be so good for me. And so I just followed that through and it has worked out. And now I like hits our relationship has grown and now he's more of a comfort and I, I you see the softer side of him and stuff. But initially I was like, oh, he's going to challenge me in ways that I really need to be challenged. Right, right. It wasn't a lateral move. It was definitely a step up, but you yes. had to work to get there. And yeah. every relationship and it, takes building. I, I don't think people, our community is so tight knit that I don't think people understand that you guys aren't all besties. All <laughs> like it's hard from the outside looking in as a fan. It's like everybody knows everybody, right? Don't they just like party in one big house every Saturday night? No, they really like it. It takes a while to figure out like which personalities mesh where. And like everyone has a ton of value and education that they can offer. But like figuring out where you fit the best, not only easily and emotionally, but also for a growth pattern. That's really important. But I do love hearing you sort of like falling initially into the Noah camp because of his wonderful positivity, because I don't think everybody leads with that necessarily. I think some people are like, oh, this person has won X many medals or, oh, this training camp has put out X many games athletes in the last year or whatever it may be. And you were like, I know myself. I know my, my mental blocks. I know my anxieties. I need to be around the right amount of positivity in order to like 
help help myself progress. I love that that was your like step one. Where yeah. am I happy? Step two, who's a great athlete around here and a great coach around here? Yeah, honestly, that is genuinely how it went. And I think that is credit to Brett in the early stages of making sure that I I never burned out as a teen and Mm. that I was so diligent with like my my life, I guess, like making sure that I didn't just because I mean, I also I want to win. Like I want to train all the time. I want to train hard. I would bury myself and I did for many years, bury myself in a dark corner of a gym alone if that's what it was going to take. But I did that for many years and it is not sustainable. (laughs) It's not really sustainable. And I think that that got drilled into my head so early that I know how important that is. And that's, that is a big compliment to, to Brett, I guess, and, and my early years of training. Monica, fundamentally, what do you think you did different to take that stress off of you? I mean, famously in the space we've seen in the last year, a couple of top athletes taking time off because the stress and the pressure of the role is a lot. And it sounds like you've found ways to overcome that. What have you done different? Yeah, I mean, I also, to some of their credit, didn't have the whole CrossFit world expecting me to win the CrossFit Games this year. That's definitely a little different monster, but definitely the same genre. And I think those skills obviously transfer. It's, again practice I guess my whole teenage years like always being held back always making sure my priorities were in line yeah it is really tough I guess I just I know myself a little bit and I have had struggles with mental health and anxiety my whole life and I can tell when those are going to flare up I guess or are going to be triggered or I can tell when I'm getting burned out and I think I just I love this sport so much and I am so hopeful and optimistic about my future. And I believe in myself enough that I know what the right decision is going to be. Like in the long term, I know how to balance that because I understand that. I think honestly, and it ties into the stuff that I'm bad at in CrossFit too, require patience. And so when, because everybody hits a period where they're like, wow, like I am training a lot and I feel like I need a break. And for me to be able to actually take back and or step back and take that break as opposed to just pushing through it, I think is just credit to me having learned patience and having learned like the proper priorities at a young age. And that just carries through. But it is, it's not easy, even though I know those things, it's never easy. It's always a challenge, but you have to, it's also, I mean, I'm surrounded by people, Noah, Alex, Max, I'm surrounded by super smart and knowledgeable people that have watched very successful, watched or have had very successful careers in this space. And know that that doesn't work or that you need to take a step off the gas pedal sometimes. So A, having the patience and belief in myself to make the right decisions and B, having people around me that kind of guide me that way and reassure me that I'm not going to suck at CrossFit if I take a couple of days <laughs> off is really, right. is really beneficial. Well, I, I expect you to win it. So take that pressure however you <laughs> <Yeah>. want to. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I am really curious now, though, because you described a lot of stuff that in all honesty, I think a lot of us normal mm-hmm. folk, myself included, deal with often anxiety, depression, worry, whatever. What are some of the triggers that you, you mentioned that you've you've identified the triggers so you can get past it? I'm curious if we have the same triggers. I think often it'll be like an overworked, stressed, overstimulated kind of state for a prolonged period of time. Like it will often get worse when like I can 
tell I need a break when those things are getting worse. So if I've been in a really hard training cycle for a couple weeks, like you said, four plus weeks of like really hard training. And that's when I start to feel like down and anxious about things that I haven't been in a while, just mentally start to feel worse. That's when I notice, oh, you need a break. It's almost like I use like the fluctuations in my mental health kind of as my guidelines for how, for when I need to take a break. Yeah, those are, those, uh, yeah, I almost do it the opposite way where when my mental health kind of starts to fluctuate, that's when I take a step back and I'm like, all right, what is going on here that needs to take, need to pump the brakes a little bit to let this settle out again? Well, you make an interesting point because I think a lot of people do this fail to recognize what you're describing, which is when you get overworked and you said overstimulated. So imagine those of us that have nine to five business jobs, we're overstimulated, overworked because we're in front of computer monitors all day long. You get your boss yelling at you and whatever. And most people go to the gym to work that off. And you've got the opposite problem. You're in the gym. That's your job. That's what you're doing. I think us normal folk go to the gym thinking, well, I'll just go work this off. And you're actually making it worse sometimes. Yeah. Putting the stress of CrossFit and everything else on top of it. And it sounds like you're doing a great job managing that. It's funny that you do say that though, because that is always a very, a very good cue for me. And often it applies to when I'm feeling physically sick, but mentally this would also have the same rule. If I am feeling rough for one reason or another, mentally or physically, I wake up and I do not feel good. If I go in and I do my first piece, which is almost always like endurance or running, something that really gets endorphins going. If I finish that first piece and I feel worse, whether it be mentally or physically, if I don't feel even a hair better, that's a really good cue for me that I need to, you don't need to keep pushing because nine times out of 10, I wake up, I, I feel rough mentally, physically for one reason or another. I go in, I hit my first session, I feel better. Like whether it be I feel less weight on my shoulders or physically I don't feel quite as sick or achy or whatever. That's when I know I'm like, all right, you can push through this, do your normal training day, you're fine. But if I feel worse, if I feel like more anxious, more down, or I start to feel like physically worse, that's my cue of like, all right, now you call it. All right. So last question on this, because it's really fascinating for me, because I, I feel like we're walking the same journey. You're going to be our, our new life coach on this show, by the way. Oh, God. Um, we're moving <laughs> forward. too. It'll just Got go Got a buzzing cocktails with life coach Annika Greer. Perfect. Uh, I've been looking for a new life coach, so. I know. I think it's Actually, perfect. I have really big feelings about life coaches, so let's not yeah. get into that. All right. So, but here's the question, because you're what you're describing is really cool to me. So I had this moment a week ago where I did exactly what you're describing, which is I went in, did my, I don't call it a first piece because I don't do enough to have like a complete set. Like I just do like little workouts. So I went in and did my first piece and <laughs> felt like crap after, and I shut it down. I'm like, all right, I'm yeah. done. I'm not going to do anything else today. The problem after that, though, is I had the typical CrossFitter guilt of, oh, mm. I, I should have done the rest. Now, now I'm not going to be fit tomorrow. I'm going to get fat, whatever, like whatever goes through my head. How do yeah. you, how do you move past that? I mean, there's, I mean, there's a couple of things you can do. One is you lean on the people you're closest to, right? Because typically they can be more other people. And it's funny that you're saying that I can be your life coach because other people are always way more logical and objective about oh things God. when it's not themselves. So oh, like, yeah. I'm the life coach, okay? Right. <laughs> so it's kind of funny that you would you would never shit on your friends the way you shit on yourself. Uh -huh. 
That's if my you ever had a friend, yeah, if you ever had a friend who was like, I felt like crap today, so I didn't work out, you'd be like, damn right. Good. Exactly. Go relax. Yeah. Lay down on the couch. You earned it. You'd never be like, oh, you're going to get fat. Exactly. <laughs> That's when I tell my mom that all the time. I'm like, would you, what would you say if I said that? And that always gets her. I'm like, what would you say if I said that about myself? And that always turns it around. But yeah, that's a very good, very, very good thing to remember. But yeah, leaning on people that you're closest to, like whether it be Noah or like Alex for me, where I'm like, I know I should stop, but I'm feeling anxious about because then it almost gets worse where I'm like, I'm feeling anxious. So but I'm at a point where I shouldn't do any more training today. But now I'm anxious about not doing training just turns into this spiral. And I'm queen of spiraling sometimes. So but yeah, leaning on people you're closest to so they can be logical and objective for you is very helpful for me, at least. And also trusting for me, because I know that about myself, of like, you tried, you did try, you didn't just quit before it even started. You did try and you got that very firm cue of like, you do not feel better, you feel worse. And sometimes you have to learn to trust yourself. And that's a very hard skill, but it applies to a lot of things. So mm-hmm. I try yeah. to in instances like that, where I have set a very clear guideline and rule for myself, I just try to trust that sometimes. You know, I try to lean on Nikki, but her solution for everything is go get a pumpkin spice latte. And that doesn't work for me. It's are just, you uh, sure? Yeah. Have you tried? Even sure. tried? They are very helpful. I am um, down with the comfort food. I am down with Yeah. Really what you need is a pumpkin cream cold brew. But it's just that now we're just talking semantics. Yeah. I did the thing. Was this last week or two weeks ago where I did quit before I even started? But in that moment, it was the right move. I was, I didn't really feel like working out and I felt crummy and I was coming off the tail end of a cold. And I like all day long, I didn't feel like working out. But then I got in the car and I started driving to the gym. And halfway to the gym, I was like, I don't want to do this. And then I just like took the next turn and went and picked up my kid from daycare instead and it was the best decision i was like i'm gonna pick him up early and we're gonna go home and and yep. snuggle on the couch and it was the greatest move for that day yep. and that's 100 i think also between it's my job versus it's something that should be augmenting your life and should be fun mm-hmm. right? yeah. so that's very different it, it should probably be a different rule in the sense of you guys probably should be gentler with yourselves with this because it's something that you like doing and you do it for fun. And as soon as it becomes not fun or you're forcing yourself to do it, then what's the point anymore? I, I, said, that, I, I said that very, eight years ago. Eight I, years ago. It's no longer also, fun. For what it's worth, I would say something very similar about your job too, in that, sure. yes, sometimes you have to just like eat the shit sandwich and wake up and go to work and it is what it is because it's what pays your bills. But when it starts to become a real burden on your life, and I'm not going to I'm not going to go so far to be like, the second it's not fun, you shouldn't do it anymore because it's work. We all know work. But when work becomes a real burden on your life and that work is not for you anymore. And that is that's something that I think most of us take too long to get to, which actually I have a question about for you, Annika, because you've been doing this for so long. You basically decided as a teen that this was going to be your career. This is something that you, you like consciously, how old are you now? 20. Right. So barely out of your teens, effectively. And, and you've decided to like really pursue this as your career. And I think that you're representative of the next wave of professional CrossFitters that have been doing this from the time of childhood that we haven't really had, we haven't really seen rise to the top, just like it's, it's like happening, like we're watching it happen in front of us, which is 
insane and wonderful and amazing. I mean, shit, when I started CrossFit, it was like relatively old people doing this in their garages. Those were the people at the CrossFit Games. Now we got the masters hey. and one of them, air quotes. Right? Why are you making fun of me? What the no, 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 this is my my golden year or whatever of becoming no, a master. I was but... right. I was right, Annika. I told Annika off the air that your combined age is still younger than me. You're not. Well, you said you're 35, Nikki. I'm There's 35. no, you're not 55. Oh, uh, oh, I thought you were 33. Wait. Oh. oh my God. First of all, what a dagger in my heart. What? I thought you were younger. What? what? Yeah, I thought you were younger than 35. No, remember, this is my year. This is the year I've officially become a master. Mm-hmm. I get to join you in, I consider in the back close enough. pain club. Maybe, that, maybe um, you guys have such good life coaching because combined, you're older than me now. You you're still so mature. don't look 53. I would have put you in your 40s. That's why I was so confused because I was like, Nikki has, Nikki's in her 30s. I was like, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Unless doesn't I track. Was younger. I was like, that doesn't make sense then. Well, this is a true story. I saw, so yeah, I'm 53 and... I'm not, I'm not bragging up young for my age. I think anyone who CrossFits consistently for a decade, like ends up looking younger as long as you keep a pretty good diet and keep your life together. And every time my daughter meets someone who's my age, she's, there's no way they're your age. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And she, she's your age. So she does the same thing. She's like, is that, that person's your age? I'm like, yep. They're my age. Yeah. Just people that smoke and drink heavy and live a tough life. Age at a much different rate. We have the reverse numbers going for us at 35 and 53. We have the little yeah numbers could do a little dance. I know. Look how cute. Anyway, this all takes me back to my original question, (laughs) which is like, what, what has that transition been like for you in like really over the last couple of seasons, like really dedicating your life and deciding that this is in fact going to be your career for a time period? Yeah. It's funny because when I started that, wasn't the goal or even something that I thought was right. possible. I didn't even know the CrossFit Games existed when I started. I just started because I liked it and it was fun. Right. So it was definitely, it was a long progression of, I feel like I'm different in the sense of there's a lot of people my age that started with the goal of winning the CrossFit Games. And that was why they started. And they started with like a CrossFit Games athlete in their gym. It was definitely a different progression. And the whole professional CrossFit athlete thing is very, is relatively new too. I don't even think that was when I started, except for our select few that had been at the games for many many years so it was definitely and even honestly even as I progressed as a teenager I never thought about it as my career like my living because I actually didn't think I was going to be good enough for like a couple of years after my the teenage division I thought I was just good as a teen and I hadn't even made the games as a teen so I was like what who am I to think I'm going to do this as a career and actually be good as an individual if I haven't even made the games as a teenager? And then 20, well, 2020 was the year that I came second to Emma Carey, who's a stud as a teenager. And that was my last year. And then COVID, blah, blah, blah. But the thing is, is the only competition or instance I had to compare myself that year to the individual division was the open. And I had not done well. Emma was like ninth in the open as an individual. And I was like 670th. Like I was not competitive. And so I had no reason like objectively to believe that I was going to be good as an individual that next year, like in 2021, which I mean, I ended up missing the games by a second in 2021. As a 17 year old, it was like, I had exceeded my expectations so wildly in 2021. I think that was even the first year that I realized that I was actually going to be good at this. Like for real, 
not just in the age groups. So I think the progression for me was so much slower than it may look like because I've been doing it for so long. But yeah, I mean, 2021 was the first time that I was like, oh, wow, like you are actually going to be good at this, whatever. 2022, that whole kind of 2022 is when I got more introduced to like more actual professional CrossFit athletes. And I got to see that whole world and was when I got introduced to Cooper from lab. And that's when it started to unfold of, oh, like people want to support you. People believe in you. Like you could do this full time. I was still at school at the time. I was, I did a year and a half, maybe a full year of my undergrad in English literature. <laughs> so I, I fully was going to school. I like wasn't planning on, I had other things I was passionate about. I didn't just like graduate high school and decide to be a CrossFitter. And then it wasn't until after Rogue of this past year that I was like, oh, wow. Like I had signed my deal with LSKD and Blenders. And like, these were big companies that believed in me and wanted me to do really well. And I started realizing like, I can't give them and give myself my all if I'm in school full-time too. It just wasn't going to work. And there was nothing. I mean, I love, I love English. I love philosophy. I love, I like being an intellectual. Both my parents have doctorates. I like being smart. And I was scared that if I didn't go to school, I was going to be dumb, <laughs> which is not true. I'm still all right. But uh, <laughs> okay, I'm good. Okay. Good. I'm, still, sure. I'm, still, I'm still literate. I got two languages. I'm all right. But, nice. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that was when I decided. I remember after Rogue thinking like, I really don't want to go back and do this assignment for something that I don't even have a game plan of what I want to do with that degree. There was no mm -hmm. occupation that I was like, I'm working towards that. I had no reason to work hard in it other than just like enjoyment and I didn't want to be done. So right. that was when I realized that's not enough, especially now that like, I right. have people that believe in me. I have, I'm financially able to like, and I want to be able to give myself and the people that believe in me my 100%. And so it kind of, that's kind of how it evolved. It was never a like, I was looking at point C all the way back in point A. All of a sudden I ended up in point C and I was like, oh my God, like you're here. and now you have the opportunity to just do this full time and chase this with everything you have. And that was really, that was very cool. I, I feel like it's a really mature move to be like, oh, okay, I have sponsors now. I have, you know, ways to make this my financial stability and I can't give this effort my all if I'm dividing my time and my brain space and my capabilities effectively. That's a really mature move I do think it's more than just I don't feel like doing this homework assignment it's like it's like where 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 can I like shine the very most in my life right now in this season of life like where does it make sense to devote myself and I it takes people friggin' decades to figure that out that's why we all burn out at such a young age we're like I gotta do this thing I do this thing I'm a parent decided to go to college and I don't want to be dumb, but also I need to make money, but also I hate this, but also I just want to work out. And it's like figuring out at 20 to be like, this is what I'm doing right now. This is what makes sense for me. This is where I'm happy. This is the people I'm doing it with. And we're going to see how that works out. And knowing that you can go back to school whenever and you can figure out that path. when That's not going away. And I don't think you're flippant about it either. You're not like, oh, I'm just going to school whatever. You're like, no, no, no. I have my thing and I know what I love to do and I will do something at some point with my life when it comes to that. But like right now it's, it's over here. It's in Florida. It's doing this. It's pursuing this thing that I, I quote unquote, just found out I'm actually good at. 
which is crazy. But yeah, I just think it's a, it's a lovely perspective on where you're at today. And we don't do that enough. Like we don't, we don't really look at where we're at today without looking too, too far in the future and like clouding our judgment with all the what ifs and all the. It's interesting to me, you're using your barometer as a McCary, who we know and love. I mean, Emma's amazing. And just, it occurred to me as you were saying it, like CrossFitters have this weird journey different than many, many sports where they're now starting to get you guys stack ranked a little bit, but it's still Mm. really amateur level for that. So it's hard to figure out who's we know who was good last year but it could be entirely different next year so you're you personally are not getting a lot of feedback i guess is my point between season to season you're just going in and training and keeping your head down and then coming out going all right am i still going to be good enough did people pass me or am i going to be the very best like how do you how do you manage that oh my god no pressure no i don't mean it i don't mean it from a pressure and anxiety i mean it's a it's a sport where you can't it's not like Major League Baseball where you have scouting camps. Right. You know, where, where you right. can go see what the, and you can look at records and historical notes on every single player. Like, because you, you have the Annikas of the world that kind of, kind of come out of nowhere to those of us that don't follow the sport that closely. You follow I mean, me? Like, I do. The, the cheesy answer that I partially believe is that, I mean, it <laughs> is all about how good you can make yourself. So that's what you're focusing on is how much you can improve as an athlete. It doesn't matter how fast the other people are improving as long as you're doing everything you can to make yourself better. That's the cheesy answer. That is true, but it's not the whole answer because I'm competitive and you do want to know where other people are yeah, at. Of course. You know who's fit. Like, good to keep that other part in the back of your head because that is why we do this at the end of the day. Like, I don't set out to be X, Y, and Z person. I set out to be the best. I don't care who's behind me. But at the same time, it's, you can also trust that if somebody's getting like exponentially better in one year, like jumping that great of a distance, like that's pretty unusual. And it's probably not going to be everybody that does that. So you might have a handful of people that come out and you're like, whoa, they got really good this year. Or they started training more. Like, that's cool. But the vast majority of the field is you're all progressing at the same rate-ish. There's some exceptions depending on what your weaknesses are. Like I think for me, what is requiring a lot of patience is the things that hold me back are things that require time to get better at. Like running, for instance, like unlike a gymnastic skill that you can do a four week progression on and all of a sudden like totally be way better at this one skill because it just requires practice and it's a much faster adaptation. Running is for somebody that did not play any endurance sports growing up, a slow progression of a lot of volume that takes time. So it really depends on what certain people's weaknesses are, how fast they can progress, which is, I mean, again, totally out of your control, not doesn't even really warrant your attention, but it is, it's almost more unusual if everybody gets way better and you didn't, that's like a very, I'm sure there's some like illogical anxiety that like everybody got so much better and I suck <laughs> now. But it's typically, that's typically not a super logical argument. Everybody it's honestly more likely that you jumped up way more than you thought, at least in, right. in my case. But yeah, it's it would be more rare if everybody else got super good and you didn't. It's again, just managing that anxiety, leaning on the people that can be logical about things that you can't. Uh, but yeah, it is, I mean, the open, it's funny because it's almost, 
that would that should slash would be the first peek into who's going to be fit for the year. But the Open doesn't mean anything, so it really doesn't. And even quarterfinals, Clarice Lauren from Morning Chalk Up sent me this statistic after quarterfinals. She was like, so just so you know, everybody who's been top 10 in the world in quarterfinals has made the games for the past, since the beginning of quarterfinals. I might've been the very first person who didn't. I was seventh in the world in quarterfinals. So again, you can take all of that with a freaking grain of salt. You know what I mean? It depends on the test. It depends on who's there. So it's, you can, you can guess and you can scout out people as much as you want. And then at the end of the day, sometimes it still doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Well, think about it this way. You could be the sleeper because nobody has your scores from the last season. So you might be the person. Maybe exactly. everyone has anxiety about you. Gee, I don't know. We didn't see, we don't have her power ranking from last year. So maybe yeah. you're the one that's going to come in and shake the whole thing it, up. Honestly, it always could be. That's the thing. It's, yeah, 100%. Why not mm-hmm. me? Yeah, well, hell is, yeah. It is where it'd be nice if we had a, a much longer or a, a, a bigger season for the athletes. That'd be fun. It'd be great for you guys to earn more money. And then as spectators of the sport, it'd give us better insight as to who's improving, who isn't, who's going to be competing at the games, that sort of thing. Yeah, I I agree. And I think in the off-season competitions are getting, I mean, like Madrid's prize purse went way up. I was like, speaking of, but there, I feel like there is a good handful of off-season competitions now where that is a possibility. But I think this sport is also, I mean, every sport requires an off season, right? If this sport would be tough to have a longer season because it's so physically and mentally demanding that nobody wants to, like the season's already long enough between quarters and then semis and then the games, like then having to, you, you need an off season for this. But I do like the amount of off season competitions with the amount of prize money they have is great. Like the bigger those get, right. the better. That's awesome. But the the off season is still is definitely necessary. Yeah, no, that makes sense, especially given how taxing our sport is on your body, on your mind, on all the things. I was so stoked to see you on the podium in Madrid. That was just yes. like so well deserved, and you look so happy. You just look so <laughs> thrilled to put you in my face, oh my, my hands. God. I don't know how to hold this giant check. Oh my oh. god. So funny. That was like, I did many normal faces on the podium. I had many normal moments. And the one photo and video I got was just like me queen waving to Noah. It was like the one awkward, that wasn't to the crowd also. I didn't queen wave the crowd, but I caught Noah's eye and I was like, and then that was what I got. I was like, oh God. So funny though. So like, and I think the last reel I had posted was like, some like heavy metal, like super intense music. And then the next one was just like, it's pretty telling. It's fine. (laughs) But what, what was that like for you? It must have felt like a little bit of just redemption. Bam. Finally, here I am. I did the thing. I'm up here. Y'all can see me. It's happening. Yeah. Yeah. I I honestly, a little bit, but it was, Madrid was such a cool comp for so many reasons. It was a big challenge for me. And I honestly didn't really realize it was going to be until a couple weeks before when I realized this would, this is only my second competition with Max and he wasn't going to be there in person. And also Alex couldn't make it because he had a wedding. He had his best friend's wedding. And I mean, Noah was going, Noah was going to be with the team. And then, but my parents weren't going. And I realized I was thinking about all the other competitions I'd done. And I had either had, so in the past, I mean, I had Brett, who, as I had said, was like such a huge comfort and support. I'd had my parents, 
Brett, uh, either Alex or even Max, like in person at semis. This was the first time. I, and I, I mean, I shouldn't say alone. I wasn't alone. Mike from TTT was there, but I didn't know him quite as well, but he was going to be there with Travis. I was there with Noah and I'd made really good friends with the girls. Like I had a support system, but it was like a newer support system. And half of them were competing themselves. Right. I didn't have like, a person that was my person that was like emotionally going to be there for me that I could vent to or dump things on or have them do things. Like it was the first time I was going to have to be like super independent at a comp. And that was like a little nerve wracking at first. I was shocked at like how nervous that made me because I was starting to think about like warm ups and like cool downs and who was I going to go see after an event? What if I had a bad event? Who was I going to go? It was the first time I really had to lean on myself for a lot of things, which is something that like, I'm an independent person, but I also am like very, again, like emotional and I rely on my people a lot. And I was like, oh, this is going to be new. This is going to be a challenge. And I honestly like props to myself. I handled it so well. I was Hell so, yeah. that was honestly why I was the most proud of myself was I handled that so well. And Mike was great from, I adore him. We bonded. He was awesome. I like had met him obviously at TCT, but he's not my coach. He was great. We had a great time. Travis is awesome. Noah, obviously the girls. I think we all, we were all staying in one big house, like Noah and the girls on his team. And then Jesse, obviously, and Chandler. And we all, all of the girls had one moment where something went wrong and we were really upset and everybody like comforted them. We all had our like each individual moment throughout the weekend. So it was like, it was super good and so fun. There was like, it was funny. I had my, my I made a list before the comp of Madrid recipes for success of the things that I was going to remind myself. And like when I, when I was going to have to be independent and I couldn't just lean on someone yeah, else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, and it was funny. There was two things, only two things on that list that I like repeated to myself over and over when I was starting to get really anxious or like stressed or nervous about something. It was so funny because I used to always think that I had to get myself like hyped up and fired up for competitions. Let's go. And I realized this competition, like I really don't. I have that so naturally. I almost need to do the opposite. I need to chill myself out. Because the the simpler and calmer I can keep my head, the better decisions and like the better I execute. So the yeah. two things I told myself all weekend was it's just exercise. <laughs> it's yeah. really just exercise and you exercise all the time. It's just exercise. And the other one was you're really good at your job. This is your job and you're good at your job and you're going to go do your job. And the more I made it a job and like you're going to go execute and it's just exercise, like you're just fitness thing and you fitness all day, every day. Like the simpler and the calmer and the dumber I kept it, like the mm -hmm. better. Yeah, I, I surprised myself on some workouts where I really saw some huge improvements and like mentally saw some huge improvements too. But it was funny. The run was what I was the most excited for because I have been, I mean, obviously I always have been just working on my running so hard and I felt better and more comfortable running than I ever have going into this comp. Just felt so much more natural. And then I realized Europeans are really fast. Yeah. <laughs> Even compared to like the bottom half of the field might not. I feel like in North America, you're going to have more people that are specialists in lifting than endurance. And then in Europe, we had way more people that just specialized in endurance. I was shocked. And it was really hard because I was like so pleased with myself. I ran a good race for me. My pace was like with it was a very hilly like 5.5K. As opposed to the games, it was long and it was super hilly. And I was like almost under a five minute kilometer for, I was under a five minute kilometer for all of the straights. It was just the hills that slowed down. 
And I was like 27th or 28th. I was like, wow. So it was really tough to try to be proud that it felt better than it ever has. And I held a better pace than I ever had, but it just didn't show on the leaderboard. That was the only moment of the whole weekend where I really felt crushed again, where I was just like, ugh, I just want this to not be an issue anymore. Like I'm, right. I'm really good at the other things. Anyway, so that was that was the only moment where I felt really crushed, but I was able to bounce back and then perform really well. It was it was really good. I was very, very proud of that. I'm trying to remember viscerally how everything felt so I can try to <laughs> that and, and make it happen again. <laughs> well, remember, oh, well. it's just it's just exercise. Yeah, just exercise. Fitness, oh. just some squats. <laughs> yeah. How, how far was this run? Like it was a 5K. It was like. Oh, was it? Air quotes 5K. Yeah, but it was long. It was between. Oh, it was longer. Somebody said 5.3 and somebody had said 5.6. Mine read 5.4. So mine was basically smack in the middle. So it was like a long 5K with some really brutal hills. So whoever measured that, we're going to take them to the games next year, have them work with Dave, and they'll balance out. It was an actual 5K. It was honestly a really great course. And I loved the programming. Elliot did such a good job. Lazar and I had like, we're like, Elliot, you want to program the games? Because we really like these workouts. <laughs> good help. Workouts. But it was, it was a really cool course. Honestly, it was a great trail 5K. What's crazy though, is that it was supposed to have a 30 pound ruck for the women. But they couldn't, ruck couldn't get into Spain in time. They like got stuck at customs week. Ended up just wah, having I ran, here's the other thing that is mildly annoying. I did so much ruck running because we knew ruck was a sponsor. And I was like, there's a ruck run. Like I know there is. So we did a ton of ruck running before it. And I felt so comfortable in a ruck. And I felt like that would be like an advantage. And then I didn't even get to wear it. I was like, oh, well, I know. Oh, well. But, uh, I'll tell you what. One time in like early 2020 before COVID went insane, I went to the Mayhem competition with Steph as her air quotes coach. and. I got really good at making shakes and warming up lunch and helping <laughs> with stretches. So if you need someone at your next comp to be just your person to send around and tell to do things and vent to when runs are hard, I volunteer as tribute because oh, I, I did it that. one time. Now oh, I'm pretty good at it. I got you, girl. That's awesome. I love that. I got your protein shake. I got your lunch. <laughs> All right. You, you want to talk about Australia with me? I'm there. Hey, family. I got to go. I do love your tactics too, though. And I will say that is something that that is a like a very specific anxiety reducing tactic Mm -hmm. that I learned when I was first postpartum in therapy, where my therapist would have me write down. She called them statements of truth. So like the things that work you up or the things that you have anxiety about are typically things that you have no control over, but there's usually something really truthful or logical that you could say to yourself that, that combats the feeling of anxiety. So like for me, I had a lot of trouble sleeping when I had a newborn. And so like the statement of truth that I would write down on a little note card and look at is like, like sleep is restorative or like you will in fact fall asleep like that. They were just like really simple. Like you said, like dumb it down for yourself, dumb it down for your brain and look at it and be like, oh yes, this is like a statement of this is true. Mm-hmm. This is true. And I can deregulate my anxiety by looking at this yeah. true statement. I, of course, at the time felt like a crazy pants and had like an entire Rolodex of these notes. Oh. But I do encourage you, anyone listening who's like, oh my God, this one thing like super gives me anxiety every time I think about it or I can't approach this activity or whatever, like, 
a statement of, or of truth or two on a note card or even just typed into your phone or something to look at when you're feeling that tightness in your chest can oftentimes help just downregulate those emotions. Yeah, I think so. It's funny. I used to have really bad insomnia too. A couple of years mm-hmm. ago, I went through a really terrible bout of insomnia. So I don't wear a whoop anymore because I was tired of seeing like three hours of sleep <laughs> every night. I took it off one night at like four in the morning and I never put it back on. I was like, I can't. <laughs> but I went through a really tough bout and I almost did not the opposite, but very similar. But I said the opposite thing to myself where I would make it. I almost when something like that is like, because I mean, the longer you stay awake, the more anxious, terrible cycle, right? And so what I honestly, my mom, so both my parents are psychologists in case this makes anything a little clear. But, but so one of the things that I, that has always been really helpful is like taking the power away from the anxiety. So when I would start to be anxious, of like, I'm not sleeping and like, now it's so late. It doesn't even matter if I sleep because that's only like three hours. I'm going to feel terrible in the morning, blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah. But once I learned that it's like, you can function without sleeping. You, like, if you don't sleep tonight, like, so what? You will still function. You mm-hmm. don't you don't you're not going to die you will be fine it's not imperative like so what you don't sleep tonight tomorrow you will be extra tired and then you will sleep great like the the more mm-hmm. i made it not a big deal and the more i was just like whatever if you sleep you sleep if you don't you don't no go read a book go do something else tomorrow you will sleep because you'll be super tired like the the less power the anxiety has the the less it does right and then normally i would fall asleep as long as soon as i realize like, either way you're going to be fine Either way, it's going to be fine. The easier it got. Totally. I'm calling you at 6 a.m. When my alarm goes off at 6 a.m., I'm going to call you tomorrow and go, what do you think about sleep now? What do you think? Yeah. Oh, God. Trust me, because I, I need it. I, I'm laughing about the whoop thing, though, because I did the exact same thing. <laughs> I was. Did I you? found myself, yeah, I found myself one night in bed not moving because I wanted it to think I was sleeping. And I'm like, I'm a 50-year-old man responsible to no one. Like I quite literally answered no one but myself. I'm sitting there trying to fake out a whoop and I took that thing off and never put it back on. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm done with this. You know, I, I tried wearing it when I was first, when I had a newborn because I wanted to see how, how much rest I was or wasn't getting when I was like up nursing every three hours. Right. And it did not, it like could not understand that I was truly waking up like every two hours to be awake. And it at the end, I'll never forget at the end of a particularly shitty night where I was like cluster feeding, which is when the baby's hungry every fucking 20 minutes. And you're like, how is this possible? I just fed you and then I put you down and then I got and then you got up and it was like a nightmare. My whoop was like, congratulations, you hit your sleep goal. And I was like, what? There's no way. Like yeah. I have been awake. There's no, uh-huh. it just it like I don't I think it I think I was so awake all night that it was like, oh, you must be sleeping. Because yeah. I've seen no change in your heart rate or anything. You're just the That's same so for nine hours. So it didn't it didn't do a good job understanding that like particular yeah. cycle in my life, which is what I what I was most excited to understand. So it, yeah. it unfortunately did not work for me. The joy of wearables. The Apple Watch does it to you too. I mean, it does it to me, but it's a nicer thing than the Whoop Band. But the Whoop it's Band. Thing my Apple Watch has been really accurate about that stuff. I like I like it for that. No, it's accurate. I just mean like the the whole wearable technology thing. Like I'll mine gets all the same data that we did, and I'll look at it and I'll say, "Oh, you're fully recovered," and I just feel like death. Yeah, like, right. congratulations. And I'm like, of course not. I'm 53, so maybe that is maybe fully recovered does feel like death. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, but I but it's just weird. 
And then yeah. other days when it tells you you should be tired, you feel great. So you just yeah, kind of have to it's take it for what it is. I like that stuff, though. I like the data that comes with it. Even if I don't stick with it like super long term, I, I find it really interesting. All yeah. the data you can gather on your body and interpret in different ways. I did, too. I wore the boot for a very long time and I liked it. I mean, I liked it a lot. It was like it helped me feel focused. Like I felt like I, my, I knew what my body was doing more. But the insomnia killed it for a bit where I was just like, this isn't worth it anymore. I'm just yeah. getting through life right now. Like I'm just making the best of it and I can't feel like I'm 100% dialed in and it's going to tell me that I'm not and I'm not going to want to see it. So right. that I took it off for a bit. And the other thing that made me take it off for the second time, because then I wore it again for a while, was so for the longest period, I was doing just a ton of aerobic work. That's all I was doing, basically just to build an aerobic base. This was like the summer before the 2020 season. And that made such a huge difference, clearly. But so I was hitting plus 20 strains every single day. Every single day. I, I think I, I hit a 20.9 one day, which like my heart rate was like at max for like almost 12 hours of the, every hour I was awake. Anyway, so I hit super high strains every day because all I was doing was aerobic work. So obviously. And then when we had to phase out of that to transition back into crossfit training and had to do some strength stuff and touch on other things and my my strain wasn't as high because i was doing shorter more intense workouts the anxiety of i'm not doing enough i need to do more i need to do more of this like my strain's like a 17 i barely did anything today that mm. got to me and that's when i took it off again because i wasn't able to logically understand when it only tells you how hard you're working on one domain it's really hard to then logically believe that you're still working hard in other domains. I'm like, I would be dead, destroyed from like high intensity, like strength work, gymnastics, whatever. And I would still be like, I'm not doing enough. I need to do more. Mm. And I already have that feeling. That's one of, I think it's one of my greatest strengths, but could also be one of my greatest weaknesses as an athlete is I will do so much. <laughs> and I always feel like I could do more. I always feel like I could do something better the next day or something more, go harder somewhere. but. When you have a wearable confirming that anxiety in its own way, it makes it not so good. So I took it off. Yeah. Took that guy off. <laughs> I know you're you're truly either one person or the other. You're either the kind of person who sees the data and you're like, okay. Or it'll be like, no, well, you know how you know how the whoop will sometimes be like, all right, you're you're done. Like you've hit your shit yeah. based off of the amount of rest you've had or whatever, and you're done. And some people will just look at it and be like, nah, I'm gonna keep going. Yeah. Or or you get the data and then you like obsess over it to a mm -hmm. point where it's it's no longer beneficial for your overall mentality yeah exactly uh-huh i get hey, it you uh, you mentioned at the top of the show that you'd moved to miami and we've talked about all this crazy fitness scene you're doing are you getting any of the nightlife i am no. you have literally none. none literally none no, no i because we're like outside of the city enough that we don't really get that kind of crazy stuff how many times have I been to like downtown Miami, like Brickell area? Maybe twice. May definitely once, maybe twice. That's it. That's the extent of will I? I like Miami Beach because there's a dog beach there that I love, <gasps> best with, and I take Zoe to it all the time, and it is stunning. So that's great, and I feel like Miami Beach sounds fancier than Coral Gables. So that's kind of it. But we really don't like. Alex and I don't do much. Our friends here, they don't, we'll do things, but we don't go out. We haven't really, no, surprisingly, that was one of the things people at home were like, oh my gosh, you're in Miami. That's crazy. I'm like, it's really not. I live in 
there's a school I, there's like an elementary school like a block down i'm like no nah, it's not we're in very much family area yeah yeah but you are having you are having fun with the things that oh. are available to you down there it which I, I just do. feel like coming from where you came from and living in perma sunshine is night and yeah, freaking yeah. day oh yeah that's yeah, a huge huge thing for me is sunshine yeah. Be, having winter for nine months was the worst possible thing for my mental health having sunshine every day is i thought maybe eventually it would get old and wouldn't have the same effect but like, not really it no. a little bit but like really it's still so important <laughs> i could live in perma sunshine i'll never move out of new england i won't because my family here or my husband's whole family is here like i get it we're here for life but i truly think i would thrive in perma sunshine i would i wouldn't miss it i would come back to visit the beautiful fall leaves and yeah. i wouldn't miss yeah. the snow. i just wouldn't. i know even i went back to pei for a couple weeks in mid-august and it had started to cool down and we had mm -hmm. alex came with me he'd never been and there was one day that it was really nice and we went to a nicer beach and the breeze was cool and i was like getting goosebumps if the sun went mm -hmm. away for a second and i was like oh my god right we wait nine months nine to ten months out of the year for this I was like, oh no. I was like, no, 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 never. Yeah. I can't. I just like, I can't do it again. <laughs> you know, your circulation changes. If when you live in a warmer climate, this is a fact. I know this oh. because my husband is from basically where you're from. And okay. he lived in, in St. Thomas for a few years after college and then came home and had to literally lay in like a tanning bed to get warm. Like your yeah. circulation straight up changes when you live in a warmer climate and then cold to you feels even colder and i what's so strange is every year in canada i tolerated the cold worse i don't know if just mentally i was more over it but i was never i could never do the cold like people around me they would have the garage door open in, in like october and i'm like we i can't no mm -hmm. like i i can't train in a sweater for doing like five workouts <laughs> i'm like sweating and i'm freezing and like, <laughs> i never yeah. The cold well and i think every year it got worse like it was just my body being like all right we have limited amount of days we can keep you warm and you are using them up <laughs> like i think that's me now i think that's me being old nikki nikki i want you to send me a link some medical proof of the circulation thing because I after swear. you told i i don't have a reason to doubt you but i also have to point out that your husband's a ginger and he's naturally cold that's just the way they he's work not. no he's not he's got He's got like straight up like Nordic veins. Matt loves the cold. Yeah. I was like, you lived in the tropics? It doesn't make any sense. But he did. He had cute little red cornrows. Oh. And he lived at the beach. Oh, I could God. not make this shit up. Oh, he would kill me if he oh, heard this. God. But he doesn't listen to the show, so it doesn't matter. I say bullshit all the time. But he, yeah. no, he's truly like part of why we'll never move out of New England is because he loves the snow. And he's like a five-year-old. He like wants a snow day. He oh. wants to roll in it and play in it and and go tubing and throw snowballs so, so cute. and he did the, the man does not get fucking cold and it drives me nuts i turn on the pellet stove today john is it cold already in ohio it's 60 cool. degrees well yeah it's cool leaves are starting to fall 60 degrees yeah. right now we've got yeah. like 50s in the mornings because it's late september in new england like it's yeah, fall nice. here and i turn on the pellet stove because i was up early because mama don't sleep no more and when he came downstairs, he was like, what are you trying to smoke us out of here? And I'm like, it's 52 degrees out. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's the heat true. On. The fire is going. What do you want from me? Yeah. Yeah. No, that sounds, it was like 90 today. Right. I could yeah. do that. 
I could yeah, totally do that. Funny. It's just well, one thing's for sure, you'll have an advantage training in the much warmer for obviously for Waterpalooza, and now the games are going to be in Texas. So this is oh, yeah? a little leg up on the rest of the Canadians who I've been sitting around wondering how they're going to handle Texas without just spontaneously combusting. I don't think it's going to be outside very much. Yeah. Hey, I think you, it's st- be you still got to get from the car to the arena. <laughs> oh, God, you never know. I I wonder how they'll do a run event because of course they're gonna have running. You just they like they're running in every second workout. But for a longer run event, my hypothesis is that it'll just be early. They'll just do it in the mornings. But I I have a feeling there won't be like a field. Just looking yeah. at the stadium and also the issues they had in Carson. Part of the reason I think they went to Madison in the first place was because it was so hot in California. But I I do think most of it will just be inside. It's also so much bigger now. It's it's way bigger than what the Coliseum was. So I, yeah. I have a feeling they'll just end up put making most of it indoors, which like, whatever. The field events look cool. Part of me is a little bummed out that like I never got to compete in Madison, but I mean, whatever. I can't get too attached to little things like that. But but I do have a feeling that a lot of it will just be, will just be inside. Well, yeah, I think Fort, so too. Going to Fort Worth, you're going to win it. Remember, I'm putting that pressure on you. So. Yeah. Right. Be the first Texas I, champion. Know, that's what I need. The first Texas champion. Oh my God. That's right. what I think of when I think of Annika. That's <laughs> right. a very Southern woman. Yep, that's yes. Right. Perfect. God. Yeah. I really do. It's funny because speaking of but the South moving to Florida of all places coming from a very liberal Canadian household. It mm. just, I get so many questions of like, how's Florida with, you know, the side I have. It is funny the the little pocket I'm in doesn't feel like Florida man X. It doesn't right. feel quite so quite so insane. I think if I go any farther north, I'm yeah north. I would I would probably run into some crazies. But I've had a couple instances of like, oh god, I'm in America and there's guns everywhere and that. Yeah. Has, but but other than that, it is it's been so much less of a like cultural 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 oh, big English guy adjusting than I initially thought it was going to be because it's for I mean my dad so my dad's from Memphis Tennessee Um, oh yeah so that's why I mean that's how I got my citizenship was because I technically acquired it at birth I just had to prove that he lived there until he was like 21 and so it's still I had to needed a lawyer and it was still annoying but way easier than trying to get a visa or a green card or something anyways but yeah so he grew up in very south Tennessee in the 70s and 80s which was not a very nice place very racist and sex and uh, memphis is still not a, not a very nice place sorry actually, sorry the city actually got worse but just even tennessee yeah. as a state like was just brutal then so he had terrible connotations of the south he got out of there as soon right. as he could had really terrible experience with the south and so i was like we never thought I was going to, he almost renounced his citizenship after a certain point, but kept it just in case. But I never thought I was going to live in the United States, let alone the South of the United States. And here we joke about that. Like, here I am living in Florida, dad. Anyways, but it is, I think it's very different than it was, but that was like, honestly, that was a little bit of like a, a thing at first for me. It was like, how different, what am I going to get myself into? Yeah. I'm, I'm a, a little blonde girl. I'm pretty safe when it comes to, being systemically oppressed but you know it's still not a super safe feeling at first i was like coming from i mean i've been to many places i've experienced a lot but living there was so different but 
it has been less of an adjustment than I've than I've thought, but probably because I, I'm I probably cool. should have set up this entire conversation by telling you I grew up in the South, and really? I grew up about two hours from your dad, actually, Tupelo, Mississippi. Oh wow! Just south of Memphis. I've been to Memphis dozens of times, and your description is perfect. <laughs> I think you did right by landing yourself in a city because. Every major city in the U.S., regardless of the state that it's in, is going to have pockets of everyone. And so there's good diversity to kind of like find your community or find the the, the places where you feel most comfortable. So that's yeah. that is the beauty of the melting pot. I, I will say this as someone who's lived in both the North and the South, the North of the United, yeah, in the United States and then Deep South, a couple of states in the Deep South, actually. I have found them no different from mm. a from a diversity or or friendliness like i find great people in every city i've been to and i find jackasses in every city i've been to and it just happens and so it all, i for me it's always been about and i'm sure it's the same for both of you guys like the people i surround myself with that's your yeah. little community and you find them and you can wander into some pretty crappy parts and Florida's known to be the crack house of the US and that's okay but there are parts of Florida that are yeah. are beautiful and awesome and parts of Miami because I've been there a few times that I, I can love, hear the you know? hate mail rolling in just no, no, the no. Floridians being like hey my mom's a Fl Florida man in your birthday and that's like a super fun game that'll entertain you for a couple hey. hours yeah look yeah. every almost every state well <laughs> I should not more I'm gonna take that back that's not true there are a lot of states that have a lot of crazy stuff going on in it especially especially the ones that are heavier populated Florida, New York, Florida. California, Texas. Those are the big yeah. four. You always hear crazy shit out of those states because that's where all the people live. Yeah. You know, it's just, yeah. And, you know, that's where they all live. That's the whole point. You don't hear a lot of crazy stuff out of Mississippi and Kentucky and Iowa. When's the last time you heard craziness out of Iowa? Maybe during football season. That's it. Yeah. I tell you what, voting. when I left news, I left news. And I try not to pay attention to <laughs> yeah. that shit anymore, I truly. really ruined that for me. I used to be very, like, up-to-date with things happening and blah, blah, blah. But I, COVID did that to me where I hit a point where I just stopped checking because it was just so depressing every time. I was like, I just can't look anymore. When it ends, it'll end. Mm -hmm. I just can't check. So even since then, I haven't gotten back in the habit of looking at big news stories. But, yeah, no, there's, a, I mean, there's crazy people everywhere. You can get shitty people in Canada, too. <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I do think that you're it's a very... Come on. It, it, it is an interesting point you make, though, like from a mindset. And I'd be curious how your parents are handling. If you come from, sounds like a liberal Canadian household and now you're living in what is very accurately described a very conservative Florida. Yeah, for sure. And like in the most conservative part of the United States, the Deep South. Does that worry your parents at all? Being so far away from you distance-wise, are you guys able to keep in touch closely? you texting, yeah. calling? What's that look like? Oh, I mean, I still talk to them like very, very, not every day, but like very often. Once a week would be enough. I would be giving them enough credit. We FaceTime a lot. And I mean, mom is actually, so mom's doing the Masters Fitness Collective this coming weekend. Settle That's plug. awesome. Great. Yeah. So she's doing oh, that and then she's coming to visit. So she's actually coming to visit. We'll probably end up doing Christmas here so we can have my puppy. Like I see them. I was there in August. Like I have seen them quite a bit. I'm sure deep down, it's definitely scared them, especially my, my dad. But I think they also realized, I mean, they had met Noah. They had been there because they had, for Wadapalooza, been to Peak. They've been there before. So it wasn't quite so unknown of like, 
I was just going off to some random place they'd never been and never seen, didn't know these people. Also, like moving with Alex and having a support system here already was probably very reassuring, but I'm sure deep down it's still concerning. But I mean, deep down, it's still concerning to me. It's definitely, I feel less safe here than I did at home, but that just happens when you're in a big city. I mean, that's not just special to Florida, aside from the gun regulations, but any big city you're going to feel slightly <laughs> more, any big city you're going to feel slightly more unsafe in than a small little island right. in Canada. But but I do think they always just want what's best for me and they know that this is what's best for me. So they, I don't, if it, if it does, they, they don't make it super known at least. No, it's yeah. hard for parents. My daughter's exactly your age. She's living in Cincinnati, going to college. And you're right. It's, it's hard thinking they're away from home. You can't protect them anymore. To your point, it's a big city. So there's the, the risk is greater in a big city than if you were living at home or in a small city. There's just a lot to worry about as a parent. I'm going to make Megan and Mira watch this because they don't contact me as much as your father. Yeah. They, I, it's funny because then it goes both ways because I feel like, like I worry about them sometimes too, where I'm like, I'm not there. I hope dad's doing okay with this. And like, who is mom have at the gym now? So it, it goes both ways. I, I will say my youngest sent me a picture. She crocheted a hat for the cat she had just adopted. <laughs> oh my so, God. I'll send so it to you, awesome. Nikki. Yeah. So she's Please. all I, I woke up to this picture of this little tuxedo cat with a tiny little beanie on. The cutest thing you've ever seen. That's so that's cute. so wholesome. That's, that's, how we that's why that's why I'm pouring every dime I have into this money pit of a house to make it epic so that my kid never wants to leave. Yeah. I'm gonna I, make this house so insanely cool that he's gonna be like, team dinners at my house, come home from college and stay at home, move in and never leave. That's move in and never leave. Until never leave. Till he becomes a teenager and then you want him to leave because he will be very annoying and stinky. No, I will just give him the third floor. I'm going to stink it up up there. Just don't ever leave. Oh, gosh, that's funny. It's fine. I, it's going to be great. I'm... He's two. <laughs> you, got a, you got a long way to 20, Nikki. You got a long way to worry about all this. Yeah. I, I'm, don't I worry. Can't speak... I will. I will worry yeah. every day about it. I got you. Of course you will. Well, I, I can't speak for your parents, Annika. I've never met them, but I'm pretty confident they feel pretty good about you living on your own you're obviously super capable you're killing the crossfit world like they got to be just crazy proud so i wouldn't i wouldn't worry too much about them they'll yeah. be all right yeah they're pretty cool i I wish i was going to fort wayne to watch mom this is a second year doing it it'll be her like second big competition but i'm she's coming here after so i'm sure i'll hear all about it but i am i was her coach back home when she would do like parts of my training and i would like her coach so i like yeah i'm i'm sad i'm not gonna be hopefully they have a good stream i know they have like a good amount of people and like mm -hmm. sponsors going and stuff but yeah yeah, what, yeah what division is she in the the age groups are a little different for this it's not like the same as the games one but she's 56 so she'd be in the 55 okay. there 59 or 50 plus i don't i actually don't know what the age divisions are for this like specific one i think they changed it a little bit like compared to what the the games ones are but 55 plus i guess yeah, my my gym partner, the co-owners in my gym with me own a business called McCoy Medical. And they're the, I think they're the medical team for this oh, event. Great. They're, go, they're going to be there. So meet him. Hopefully she doesn't meet him, but that's. I'll have them look out for her. How about that? That'll uh, work. Well, Annika, thank you for joining us. It's been super fun catching up as always. I'm, I'm really excited for your year. 
We didn't really talk about semis. We were heartbroken for you, but I, I think I even messaged you then. You had a super bright future. And I wasn't being sarcastic when I said I expect you to win the games. Like, you're going to have a hell of a good year. We're confident yeah, in that. It'd be great. Yeah. For sure. I appreciate it so much. All right, Nikki, go worry about your son moving out. That's what you should do yeah, tonight. No sleep for you. Don't worry. That's why I lay awake in bed at night. So <laughs> I can fulfill that. No problem. Yeah, you'll get there. <laughs> All right. Well, it's great seeing you guys. And for everyone listening, we appreciate you guys joining us and we will chat with you soon.